This is The 20 with DJ Spider, presented by BeatSource. Hey, welcome to The 20 Podcast, bringing you interviews with the best DJs, producers, and music industry professionals from around the globe. I'm your host, DJ Spider. That's right. I am your host week after week. I love doing this with you guys, and I love being able to talk to all these amazing people, the amount of stuff that I learn, that I'm able to spread knowledge, and the stories I get to hear is the best. This podcast, the 20 podcast, is brought to you by BeatSource. BeatSource is the new digital music service for open format DJs. If you have not been on there yet, go out and check it because it's super dope. Um, BeatSource Link is officially in beta mode in Serato, and it's officially in a lot of other hardware and software. I have been using it, uh, just the beta mode. They're working out the little kinks. But wow, is it dope. I mean, I transferred some of my playlists I had made on Spotify and I made my own playlist using Soundiz. It's crazy. I was like coming up with whole mixes. It's very intuitive if you already use Serato. Um, I am not just saying this because I'm part of it. It is super dope. Even if I wasn't part of BeatSource, I would be really hyped on this product and this advance of technology. So go check it out. The other cool thing is that we've got curators making playlists and they're updating them every day. Every genre, vibe, old, new, acapellas, instrumentals. You got to do a Latin party. You want this, that. You want to be put up on new stuff. You can just push save and it goes into your library and immediately it's in your Serato and you're DJing off of it. So trust me, go check out beatsource.com. It's really dope. And I'm just excited for you guys to use it. I'm excited for the DJ community to move forward with technology and keep pushing forward. And it's especially great for you Twitch streamers because you're already on the internet. So you got it going. So um, hit me if you have questions about it because I've really been learning a lot. Um, Hit me. You can hit me on Instagram at DJ Spider, um, DJ S-P-I-D-E-R. Hit me on Twitch, DJ Spider. I'm on there. I'll write you back. I love talking to you. I'm on Twitter also, D-E-E-J-A-Y, S-P-I-D-E-R. It's spelled a little different on there. So thank you guys for rocking with me on, on there, and thank you guys for rocking with us here, my beat sorcerers, all my people that have been listening the whole time or that are just tuning in. I really thank you for the support. Make sure you head over to Apple uh, podcast app and give us some reviews and stars. Give us those five stars, all that stuff. We just recently made it onto Amazon Music app and um, a lot of things. So really exciting things. We're constantly growing and it's all because of you guys. I love the community that we're building. I love you guys sending me questions. I'm always asking them to our guests. Um, And today we've got a very special guest, very special to me. This person is one of my best friends in the DJ world and outside of the DJ world. He is just a great human being. He is very experienced and knowledgeable in all types of music and DJ stuff. I mean, this dude really knows his stuff. I don't know if I would be here today uh, if I wasn't friends with him. I don't know if I would have the knowledge today if it wasn't for him. He really... um, has done a lot for this DJ culture and he continues to do a lot. He has the Questions Hip Hop, which is his hip hop trivia game show he does with Sean Kantrowitz and 
multiple times a week on IG Live and on uh, Twitch. Now that we can't be in person, it used to be in person. Amazing hip hop trivia show you got to check out. Um, he's DJing, video DJing on Twitch now. But the stories that we get into on this episode are amazing. I mean, we talk about. DJ AM meeting him, all the different things he did. Uh, he tells crazy stories about DJing on airplanes for super celebrities that knew who Dr. Octagon were. I mean, so many classic stories go down and so many gems of advice that could go out to DJs of all ages and all experience levels. So I'm really, really excited for you guys to check out this episode. This person has made legendary edits that all DJs play. He's made legendary mixtapes that all DJs know about and love. He's done so much for the culture and we get into all of it on this episode. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear this episode of the 20 podcast featuring Steve Wonder. Please give it up, make some noise for Steve Wonder. Let's go. Steve Wonder, how you doing, man? Chilling, how are you? I'm good. The question is, how are you? Um, great. You know, nice. It's good to hear. Yeah. During a pandemic, to be great. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I'm maintaining. That's the best way to describe it. Maintaining. That is the theme of 2020. (laughs) How to maintain in 2020. That's going to be a book we can write at the end, hopefully, if we're all still here. Um, well, yo, I'm so excited to have you on my podcast. It's been a long time coming for everyone out there that doesn't know. Steve is one of my best friends out there. I am super excited to have him on. He's one of my favorite DJs. I don't even think I'd be doing what I'm doing without this guy here. Okay. I wouldn't have the (laughs) knowledge I have. Steve is the man. He's put me onto so much stuff. I love hearing him DJ. So I'm excited to get some stories out of him today and for you guys to get to know him a little bit better. Um, so yeah, I mean, we used to, we've done a lot together, right? (laughs) A whole lot. When did Uh, we meet? Like 2001 or 2002, maybe? Yeah. Steve Wonder was one of my first DJ friends. I like before the internet (laughs) or before being all connected on social media, it was crazy being a DJ because you either had like people you met through things or people you would DJ with or your DJ crew, but it was hard to like, you weren't really connected with that many people, right? Yep. It's way different now. Yeah. Like I remember like meeting you and being like, damn, this dude is like on the same wavelength as me in certain ways, you know, with music and DJing and, and people and just everything. So it was like, it was like stepbrothers. You're like, did I just meet my best friend? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, we both, we met at Mike Nardone's show, right? Yes. That was the first time we met. We, oh, were both, wow. we were both promoting our independent hip-hop 12 inches. So, like, we were literally, like, doing the same exact thing at the same time, you know? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I was in a group called Movement, M-O-V-E, period, M-E-A-N-T. You were mm-hmm. in a group called Element, with mm-hmm. L-A, uh, L dot A M E N T. And uh, yeah, we were both at Mike Nardone's uh, legendary radio show on 88.9 um, KXLU, which is uh, Loyola Marymount's college station. But he had this long running show that would just play the dopest hip hop. You know, the most amazing people went on there. It's and the we- first, first, first show I heard Wu Tang Clan, 
Anselm Village. Crazy. That's yeah. nuts. It was like, yeah. you know, in a way, our uh, Stretch and Bobito um, yeah. show, you know. It's a good way to put it. Of the West Coast. Um, and uh, and shout to Mike Nardone. He's still out here doing things. His yeah. daughter is is yeah. was doing the show, right? Yeah, it's they amazing. Show together. It's amazing. I love it. I love to see yeah. it. It's a family affair. <laughs> um, so yeah, we met there. We were both pushing our hip hop groups. I had a record label called Wax Paper Records, and we were doing all that stuff. Um, but we also were DJs apart from the group and so we were both doing gigs and in that time in our life where it was still vinyl there was no Zerato but we were trying to I guess DJ at cool places like parties like the Root Down and these things in LA as well as like these clubs to get money or bars or something yeah um I remember I remember hearing oh sorry not not just go back to the Nardone thing I remember you hearing hearing you scratch you guys did a radio promo for him, and I remember your scratches on it, and it was still kind of the era, you know, like the fat beats, like who's real, who's dope, who's not, you know? So I would still, I listened to it, and I remember you using different, like, different phrases of people saying Mike, like the the, the Beastie Boys one. Yeah, it's like, funny get on I'm the mic. Of, I'm thinking of who I was back then, and it was still, you still had this aesthetic, like, is this guy, like, a real DJ or not? Like, what do his beats sound like? What do his scratches sound like? You know, and I was like, all right, this dude knows what's up. I was like, oh, yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, you're right. We did. I think we made two promos for uh, his show and then for another another show that was on there, too. But yeah, I mean, I, lo- I was such a fan of DJ Premier as I still am. And I wanted to make those kind of choruses where it was like a scratch chorus and, and I could find every word that uh, related to Mike, get on the mic, get on the mic, Mike, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was kind of how we met, became friends. And then from there, I mean, we went through so many crazy DJ things in our life, right? I mean, it's nuts. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's like a from the ground up story, you know? Like, exactly. From from DJing, you know, like for $50 and little dive bars, yep. you know, and we started doing two by four. That was something like that we, we love to do. Yeah, like we used to, I mean, just talk about trying to get by and this, you know, goes out to all the DJs just trying to make it out there and paying the dues is like we used to, I mean, we would load up my car and drive to the middle of nowhere and DJ at like a Macy's in the mall, but be playing like dope music off vinyl, but to get, you know, 500 bucks or something like we would (laughs) just be doing that, you know, and then go back to my parents' garage, try to make make beats or something on an MPC and you know we were just trying to make our way and figure things out and um you know we have probably enough stories that we could tell that for like a 24 hour <laughs> well, podcast it's obviously everyone starts as an outsider you know but but in that time pre serato and pre social media like your networking and ways to make things happen were so different, you know? So, you know, we, I think at that point we hadn't really broken. We, we definitely weren't in the Hollywood. We hadn't like met people there yet. So our network was still really small at that point for sure. Yeah. I mean, I had never hardly, I don't know if ever I'd been to a Hollywood club or a bottle service club or even a <laughs> yeah. Vegas club. I feel like the first 
quote unquote Vegas club I ever went to was with you, and it was when and probably it was around the same time we met DJ AM. I think like and I met DJ AM with you same day, same time. Yeah. Um, there's a video on the internet that all of you can look up. I don't know how to find it. We got to post the link, but it's it's, it's on it's on my page. But uh, yeah, I could post the link. All right, you got to post it. It's literally us meeting DJ AM recorded onto a flip camera. We did not know that we were recording this legendary time in our life. but And that gig we were doing was similar to those Macy gigs where we bought all the turntables, crates of records. You know, we drove from LA to Vegas to do that. And it was just like, it was super DIY, you know? I know. I mean, I guess I can give some of the details of it. Like, we, I remember, I'd never DJed in Vegas. We had never you know done anything like that and i remember you saying oh we got us an opportunity to play for bongo jeans at the magic convention which for people that don't know the magic convention is not about magic it's about clothing <laughs> and it was this big thing at the time like streetwear brands i mean if you got to go dj in vegas during magic or at magic it was like a big deal and I remember we got asked to go DJ every day from like 9 a.m. <laughs> to 5 p.m. at the Bongo Jeans booth while people would come try to sell jeans or something. And we drove out. And Serato had just come out. Like, it was this yep. new thing called Serato. And you were, you were on Final Scratch before that, right? <laughs> yeah, I think I, I... Well, I tried Final Scratch, then hated it, then gone back to pure vinyl, then come back because we saw this guy A-Track and people like that, <laughs> Jazzy Jeff, on this thing called Serato. And we're like, all right, let's see what's up with this. Yeah. So I remember we, we drove out to Vegas. We loaded the car. We had to bring speakers. We had to bring the table. We had to bring turntables. We brought eight crates of records in addition to Serato, this new thing that we were going to try out. And, uh, and we had to DJ like full-time job, four days in a row, early in the morning, loading all the equipment. And I remember doing that gig and then... A few days in, uh, Nicole Ritchie was the spokesperson for Bongo Jeans at the time. And they were like, hey, Nicole is coming in and her boyfriend um, is this amazing DJ that plays in Vegas all the time. He lives in L.A. His name's DJ AM. Um, He's going to DJ with you guys for an hour. And we were like, oh, that's cool. And they were, and I don't know why I remember they told us this. Like, Wait, 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 wait. We didn't say, oh, that's cool. I mean, you have to, you have to say like the AM's name was like, to me, I mean, probably we knew who he was. You know I, what I didn't, mean? Like, I, you, you, you had told, no idea who I he was. I didn't know who he was at that, that See, day. I, I, I had, you had no idea. That's amazing. Cause I had heard of them. Cause I was like, I was doing gigs. Like I DJ at an Indian restaurant in the middle right. of Silver Lake. I, I, would, I DJed with you there for remember? 250 bucks. It was upstairs. I would lug my crates up. Yes. And I know cause that was before all that. And I would just hear these stories of this guy AM and the, 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 the caliber of parties he did and the money he was making. And for someone who was making $250 at a gig to hear about a guy making 10,000 for a gig was just like, it, it, that's all I could say. It was mythical. You know what I mean? It was like, who is this guy? Like, it didn't make sense to me. And, and you know, obviously like there'd be a lot of DJs before AM that were making money like that. But, but in the LA scene, I was just like, who is that guy? So I actually had known who he was. So I was geeked when they said he was going to roll through. Yeah. I mean, you, well, exactly. I remember that you told me, I'm like, who is this guy? And you're like, you don't know. And you told me about that. And then I remember them or maybe you saying, 
oh, he usually gets paid like five thousand, ten thousand for a gig, and <laughs> we got him for an hour for like two thousand or three thousand. And I remember thinking. <laughs> Wait, aren't we splitting like $900 for like a week of work? <laughs> for, four, yeah, for four days. <laughs> and this fool's yeah. coming in getting two, 3000 just to DJ for an hour. I'm yeah, like, what, what is he about to do? And they were like, you have this thing he wants to use called Serato. And we're like, yeah, we got it. Okay. And, and yeah. I remember he comes in and we, we had the Vestax turntables, the TTM yep. 56 Rain, and the Serato Box 1. The setup. I mean, the setup was proper. It, it wasn't yeah. conventional, but... It got the job done. It did. You were, you were always keen on. You were the first person I knew had Serato. You had that Pioneer Effects box, which was dope. Like yes, we, you were. You were always, and I'm glad because if I did the gig myself, I wouldn't have had Serato. You know what I mean? Like oh, that's true. It's perfect that you had the box and had everything set up. You're right. See, teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> um, exactly. So he comes in. He has this computer. He, he comes down. He's AM. He's like, "Yo, what's up, B?" Like super cool. <laughs> but but he was like cool like a cool guy but also knew what was up right away with music technology everything and i remember he plugs in and uh starts djing and the first thing i see is that he's using something called relative mode so which we were not on like we at the time we were on absolute <laughs> mode and we had been recording in every 12 inch and trading with each other the 12 inches and DJing like that, like dropping the needle down on absolute mode. And this guy has cue points and already pre-made mashups. He's playing like the Billy Jean drums with the Kill Bill whistle over it. And everyone in the thing is going crazy and he's doing doubles and he's doing the most AM type scratches in doubles, you know. And me and you were looking at each other like, okay. This dude's dope. Like now we see why he gets paid. All the girls are like swooning over him and and all that. You know, it was like, it, it, yeah. It, my we first impression knew. was this guy is a technician. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think we we you know if like you know the beat junkies iOS didn't exist then. You know there was kind of no course of learning to DJ other than meeting other DJs, ciphering with them, seeing the scratches they do or the techniques or the styles. You know, so we kind of, you know, we had these traditional way of learning how to DJ. And then AM came in. Obviously, he had the crab scratch, you know, but um, some like his uh, putting drums over like live beats and then scratching out of it. It was just it was just this this precision and this like programming that I had never really seen before. And it fucked my head up. It was like, yo, what is going on right now? Yeah, it was like next level. And then uh yeah, I mean, so like that was just such a crazy moment, you know what I mean? And then I remember he he gave us his business card at the end. He was like, yo, great to meet you guys. Gave us his business card, which was a legendary business card because it was like the back of it was like a copy of a, a, a ticket he had gotten for like DJing a party and like his equipment getting taken away or something mm -hmm. crazy on the business card. I wish you I still I have wish, that card? I, I mean, I hope so somewhere. Yeah. My, my room's kind of dirty. Yeah, I'd but, love uh, to see that. I got to find that. Um, and then he uh i remember he bounced and he's like I'm, I'm i gotta go back to la and probably what 30 minutes an hour later i was like yo he left his needles here and i pick him up and i look at his business card and i'm like all right i'm gonna hit him up and i'm like yo uh, we just met you. This is Spider. You left your needles in the booth. And he's like, oh, yo, B, I'm back at the airport. Could you bring me the needles? I'm about to go DJ at John Varvato's store opening in LA. I'm like, 
who is this guy? He's asking me to come from the gig. To, and then you looked at me and you're like, go, go take him the needles. Like, I'll sit here and DJ while you go. Like, and I was like, all right, let's do it. So then I jump in the car, I bring him the needles, and I remember handing him this mixtape I just come out with called Pay Dues and go. Break Even. And there I was like, yo, just listen to my mixtape. That's all I care about. You know, because he's like, I owe you, dog. When we get back to L.A., I'm like, I don't care. Just listen to my mix. That's all I care about. Here you go. Peace. Have fun in L.A. <laughs> and uh, that was it. Figured probably won't talk to this guy again. And then um, I actually talked to him. He hits me up. He's like, come to my club in L.A. I want you to meet this guy, um, Kevin Scott. Um, he has every ultimate breaks and beats ever on mp3 which at the time was such a big deal and yeah. uh he plays he opens for me at my club and he does his own night there at lax i want you guys to come you and steve so and then we ended up going to meet him there and that led to us meeting kevin kevin letting us open for him at lax and am having us work there and just all that leading into us being some of the first djs on Deckstar and all that right crazy yeah yeah i mean the the, the perfect example is you know had you not slid him the mixtape, I mean, who knows? He he might have felt like he owed you a favor either way, but, you know, that, that opportunity presented itself and you gave it to him and, you know, that it's it's a lesson. and Or just bringing in the headphones, like just being aware and, you know, taking, trying to make your relationship, further your relationships, you know what I mean? That's like yeah. the takeaway of all that. But Yeah, and yeah, you man, never was, know. You know, you never know what's going to happen. You feel like you're DJing some gig eight hours a day for nobody listening, and next thing you know, you meet someone that literally ends up changing your life, you know? Yep. yep. So I crazy. Mean, that dude changed. Anyone who met him, anyone who saw him DJ, anyone who's heard his mixes, he changed their life, you know? Right. Like that's, you know, that's the only way you, you, you know, you can you can measure someone's importance and impact, you know? And yeah. That guy, he didn't even try. He just did himself, it seems, and he had that effect on people. But yeah, we didn't really have, we we didn't, we weren't deep in the Hollywood game. We were kind of somewhat thrust into it, you know. Like I yeah. was gonna say earlier, I remember you playing Circle Bar, and like you were saying, like you would play Be Faithful, and I would be like, "What are you playing this for?" You know, like <laughs> I consider it like a jiggy song or like club music. You know, like we were so keen on playing '90s hip hop and being backpackers and keeping it real that like that. We were we were thrust into that world like not that we weren't ready for it because we understood DJing and it, it kind of coincided obviously with the mashup fate mashup era or you know doing blends and multi genres which yeah. I think played to our favor because you know it doesn't it doesn't it although it gets a bad rap you still have to show your music vocabulary you still got to say hey I know that this breakbeat will fit perfect under this rock record you know what i mean like yeah there's a there's a clear definition of when it's done bad and when it's done good and i think in, in hindsight people talk down on it but i think there were pluses to it in terms of that like if you knew how to play 80s i mean you know it's obviously like uh it was a new york style of how they would program their nights but matched you know just like yeah. make it one you know but uh that kind of coincided with that era and the whole crook and clan thing popping off and everything yeah, and like we both grew up in LA and I just remember growing up here like a Hollywood club was like douchey. Like there was nothing like those weren't the kind of people I would ever even think about 
hanging out with or going being a part of or i would never want to go to a club like that you know it literally and, was night at the roxbury for us like yes. that was the <laughs> that was our understanding of it you know? yeah it was just the worst it was like there was no chance and then that's why when this dude am's like i got a club come to my club in hollywood and we're like great okay let's go see what this is and then i remember one of the nights and he did like a whole 90s hip-hop set within the super bottle service set and he did it with his specific style and that really opened my brain it like cracked my brain open because i'm like wow he's doing what i love in this environment mm -hmm. and making the money but also not doing it for the money but he's making it's, it was like so crazy like it just taught me so much every night yeah. i would watch him i would learn a lot i feel like well it also felt like one of our own had infiltrated yes. that world like he was a head he was a hip-hop head in the 90s you know he's a music lover it's like it was amazing to meet a, the guy who kind of reigned at the top but also wasn't like it wasn't because of nepotism or connections or you know what i mean a lot yeah actually a lot of what kind of plagues a lot of the dj world today of people getting put on just because you know popularity or that you know you, you could tell he came he did it from the ground up you know exactly like not even selling out it wasn't like oh well he's playing this whack shit you know you were like and he did play be faithful but then he did it in such a crazy way i was like what like he would build it up then do bass drop and then drop in like <laughs> well he would drop his uh he would drop fat man scoop am and that oh was like mind-blowing in itself crazy that he had that because Fat Man Scoop drops or him on records right. wasn't, wasn't and, like... And the wordplay, because he'd go bass drop, and you'd be like, all right, it's going to do the generic thing. You'd go bass drop, and it would go do-do-do-do-do, block rocking beats, you know, like that bass line. Then he'd be like, bass drop, ba 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 And you were like, holy shit. He's like <laughs> scratching like A-track, but he's and he's DJing like Premiere, but he's making all these people dance. And, you know, it was just, it was mind-blowing. Yeah, I mean, his... The programming, you know, he 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 was he was a good example of a well-rounded DJ, and I think that's, you know, I, I'm not mad at DJs who are are masters of a specific style or, you know, like the best scratchers or you know whatever it may be. But you know, as for club DJs, he showed you have to be well-rounded. Selection skills scratching programming like i had no concept of any of that in 2004 2005 and i'm sure there were yeah, that he learned from a lot of djs but not being in that scene and not like understanding it was you know you couldn't ask for a better way to learn you know yeah exactly like he i would learn so much from him and i and, and i had been djing for a long time at that point but i didn't know any of that stuff like you said and then even over time i learned you know more and more because i would um like even seeing him juxtaposed with mark ronson one time i was like am's the master he he does everything but then seeing how mark ronson was more less mashup and more dropping it new york style with these surprises and the way his programming was different it wasn't reliant on mashups or scratching but he mm -hmm. would kill it just as hard to be able to build the crowd up and down it was like these two different masters, you know, of, to sh I learned so much just from that night alone, seeing both of them. Yeah. Well, like I was saying, like, imagine how many DJs they saw in New York or in LA or all over the world that inspired them and they learned things from, and then, you know, put their mind to it. So that's, 
that's kind of the whole reason, you know, as what we got into it, that's the whole reason to be a DJ is like, you're kind of continuing on lineage and what you've learned from DJs before you and the styles and the things that, how they represented their their love of music and you take that and then you say, hey, this is how I do it. That's how I've always approached it. That was like from my early inspirations. I was like, just like you said about DJ Premier and his scratch hooks, you know, it's like, I want to do that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what music is about as a whole. You know what I mean? Like us continuing the lineage of hip hop and the samples and music and jazz music and how everything relates to each other. And as DJs, we're like these historians and we can even continue on the things we've learned from the past DJs. And like, I try to carry on things I, I've learned from AM and, and keep doing them to like storytell to the other DJs in a way, not copy him, but like do show how he influenced me i guess yeah um so well speaking of like who were some of your early influences um as a dj like when you were coming up like why do you do what you do now uh it's friends in high school my boy uh jesse shackin aka belief he's a producer now but um he was a dj and um this guy double k who was in the group people on the stairs was a big DJ. I think he's a year or two older than me. Um, I didn't start DJing till I was around 15, 16. Right. But um, just loving hip hop, really. You know, actually being a kid and seeing Herbie Hancock perform Rocket at the Grammys. I think it was the Grammys. So uh, true. The Video Music Award. You know, and see like the whole stage setup and the DJ, like seeing it so young and, and, admiring it and just being enamored with it you know what i mean like what a way to like have you know see what djing is for the first time yeah through that you know i remember so, just seeing that music video and being like that's amazing you know dip, dip, <laughs> dip, 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 dip. i was like yo, yeah it's crazy yeah, yeah that's true um and yeah shout to jesse i mean he's gone from being your dj influence to <laughs> producing probably some of the biggest songs in the world right yeah yeah um and he he continues to do that um yeah look him so up. it was just just you know i always i'm like you i always wanted to be dj premier gangstar was probably my favorite rap group and just you know he he treated the turntable like an instrument you know what i mean like yeah i know babs coined turntablist but that you know uh i think primo like was the original version of it you know like the yeah yeah, Primo um, represented it at first, and Babu took it. Because Babu's original name was what? Babu the Turntablist, right? Yeah. So some DJ history for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, just just admiring, you know, what he would do on hooks. Obviously, the beats he made and just yeah, any DJ. I was always enamored by any scratching I heard in a song, and I memorized it. And I always wanted to know how they did it, you know? Yeah, me too. Um that's uh i know that's a big thing about djing still to this day is the curiosity you know even with the production how'd they make that sound or any of that stuff yeah um well speaking of history and stuff like that um you're big on that i mean like i said in the beginning you've always put me on to facts or things you always you know more than a lot of people i know about dj history hip-hop history of course because <laughs> we'll talk about it later but steve yeah. does this amazing amazing um game show called the questions which is a hip-hop 
trivia show but it's even yeah. so much more than that so you guys got to check that out the questions and we'll get way more into it later in this episode um but so he knows a lot about hip-hop history trivia and just all things music um and his record collection was crazy i remember in the beginning of serato we'd be recording in 12 inches and he had so much stuff and it's still in my library um how did that start for you like how did your music addiction start or how did you get get into that uh the music addiction <laughs> or I for knowledge just, well it's just similar well my brother had a big part i mean at least hip-hop you know my brother my brother told me about break beats when i was really young you know like eight or nine years old like kind of broke it down it was almost like opening a pandora's box yeah into like yeah there's a they took that song from this song you know and like once you start that it never ends you know what i mean so yeah it started it started early on and now we're here and it's kind of like that same idea is what the trivia show is you know what i mean for other people who approach their love of music in that way from a very you know not just factual but like liner notes and you know just yeah. just everything about it and i think i always go back to like being so i was nine in 1988 and watching um mtv and it would be like guns and roses and run dmc like two on two different genres but like the biggest thing ever was like this rock band and this rap group you know what i mean just like growing up with with you know diverse such diversity in your music tastes, you know, allow, allowed for you to, me to have a broad mind when it came to all types of music, you know? Yeah, yeah. Even I know. though that's very surface and generic, but, like, I understood it when I was young. I was like, oh, like, this goes deep, like... <laughs> right, and it goes crazy deep. I mean, uh, to the point where now you have this show. So, like, let's talk about the, the questions. So... The questions was an idea. I remember you told me about it at least two years ago, probably three years ago or more. Mm -hmm. Like, yo, there should be a, a hip-hop trivia game show, and, and we would meet over at your house, talk about it your, with your cousin, Sean Kantrowitz. Yeah. And, um, you know, I loved sitting and brainstorming with you guys, helped yeah. put it together, and, and we would do a, a live version at Blind Barber and some other places um, around. And um, I think that was over the past couple of years, we all started kind of grew it together. And then as quarant and, and then over probably the beginning of this year, I, I wasn't doing it as much with you guys. And um, the uh, COVID came and the quarantine mm -hmm. started, which sucks, but also led you guys to create the online version of it, which I think has been an amazing thing and a really cool explosion of the show and a different take on it. Um, I guess can can you tell the listeners a little more about what you have going on with it, the Instagram and then the Twitch and and anything else you want them to know? Yeah, I mean, just what you said, you know, we were a live show. We were thanks to you, you know, we were doing it at Blind Barber and um concentrated. We didn't really do much online content, you know, like we started an Insta page and it was really just posts about hip hop, you know, there's a lot of you know different pages about hip-hop history and facts and minutia so you know it was like we kind of started it as that but once COVID happened um in march we realized we had to shift i mean everyone experienced it they know how dramatic of a change it felt at the time you know we didn't know what we were up against so we just i don't know it was pretty it was pretty 
you know fluid how we just transition into it you know and yeah but we then just you guys started, went crazy you started doing what three <laughs> a week right we started with five a week and then we jumped to three a week and we've just been you know we've we're self-sufficient we book our own guests through contacts or just any angles we can do we've had 60 the, guests you know the we started guests early. have been nuts too it's yeah. like the who's who of who you would want to be on hip hop trivia. And I feel like it's only going to get crazier. But I mean, from Scratch Bastard, people like that, to Quest Love, Just Blaze, J Live, your hat. Uh, yeah. I mean, so many people, like legendary uh, yeah. hip hop, hip hop uh, people. Oh, yeah, Frankie Quinones, uh, Tony Baker. Um, a lot of people, right? I mean, and the Instagram show, the way you guys flipped it is super tight too. Like, um, Sean Kantrowitz hosts it and they, they create this really cool layout where they take advantage of the way the Instagram live looks. So they've gotten up to, what is it? 60 episodes on there. And then they started doing a Twitch channel now where it's interactive and people can play. You could play at home on Twitch if you want. Um, and then there's a lot more in the works for the Twitch channel, the Instagram channel, and all types of stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, it, what's cool about the Twitch shows is the audience plays along, whereas yeah. the um, the IG shows, it's kind of more of an interview. You know, we, we like to say it's a trivia game masked as a interview show. You yeah, know, just a cool but I way love to get, it. I mean, see, yeah. you guys had Warren G on. It was like some Warren of the G. best... Uh, yeah stories ever i mean it's just everyone has their knowledge and their own you know their own view and experiences in the world of hip-hop you know and it's those experiences should be shared you know we feel like it's a great forum for for you know the history and things people never heard of or didn't know just to learn about just even answering the questions but i like the twitch show because it's the crowd playing there is no guest and it actually feels like those old blind barber shows where the regulars would show up and you know like everyone is really into it and very like there for the facts and for to really test themselves on what they know so it's been a great great experience you know it's it's, it's been an adjustment for sure because as as most djs have learned you know going from ig to twitch two different worlds to two different productions everything is different so yeah it's been fun yeah dope i know it's nice to have something to work on during this time too um mm -hmm. but it's great i think it's it's covid has helped <laughs> the questions uh hip-hop mm -hmm. trivia honestly and uh <laughs> i think it's only gonna get better you know like you guys just keep getting better at it when you look at the early shows from march to what you're doing now it's just crazy so people definitely go check out the question definitely play the twitch show if you can and check out you can check out the old episodes and uh help support them during this time they got a patreon and stuff yeah um so i'm excited just to see where that goes i could picture it being a tv show and i think it's just so much fun to play so you guys gotta I, go check I, that we, we would love to to scale it and 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 turn it into something really big and special and you know that's why we keep working you know it's it's it never yeah. ends you know it's it's you know being a dj is is controlling your own brand but this is something different actually the brand not being part of like who i am as a dj you know it's just yeah. it's it's so it's been such a learning process and so many you know so many different uh jobs within it 
you know like we're a two we're like a three or four man operation and if we wanted to run fully functional like eight of us would be right you know what i mean where different people had different positions and but um you know it's a lot of learning and it's a lot of fun man i'm I'm glad that things like this are now popular podcasts where people can just do deep dives or you know really like just be talk about what they love and who they are and that you can make a living off of it it's it's incredible you know yeah i know especially with twitch and like almost i mean maybe i'm just obsessed with twitch right now but it's almost like the way i used to go to and turn on direct tv and like see what was on or what got recorded now i'm just gonna pop on twitch and like see what i want to watch a lot of the time if i don't have something cool i want to see on netflix or something like that and even like last night i'm like in bed you know like my wife's about to go to bed and i got my laptop on i got four color zach's twitch stream on and i you know normally i would think my wife doesn't want to watch this like you know it's very dj talk she's ends up having fun watching it and cracking (laughs) up and i'm like this is crazy this is like the new television right now you know it's like live it's the most live interactive thing you know so i mean that's actually something yeah, wait, what were you going to say? Go no, ahead. I was saying it's like everyone has their own public access channel. <laughs> exactly. Or show, you know what I mean? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, look at you. You got the green screen in the back. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, um, I got the setup. And that's what happened. Vice came on last night to Four Color Zach show and had the same setup you have. It's like we all live in this. If I turn my camera, I got that same green setup right there, too. Yeah. Um, I mean, which, I, don't want, I, I don't even want to get... You saw that meme I posted, right? With um, Yes, yes. Who Who is that? Marvel character, it Captain was Doctor Who or Doctor uh, Strange, Doctor Strange, or he has all yeah. his hands like yeah, trying to that's... check my phone, do Twitch, OBS, <laughs> DJ, cue up a song. Oh my god, what a, shout what a people shift. out, check the subs. And, and it, it really, I feel for every DJ who's trying to do it themselves, you know what I mean? Because it is an all hands on deck thing, you know, these, these things are not created for one person to do but you know we've we've been thrust into the situation and a lot of djs have adapted well i'm still i still have little you know if if it's not one thing it's another with my feed so i'm still (laughs) learning myself but you know the the goal is to get everything running smoothly and i really i haven't i haven't cared to dj really since covid happened i haven't been djing i haven't been up on new music i haven't been organizing my crates it's been a lot of like the trivia show and other things and kind of me like wanted to take a break from it but now that twitch is back it's like the last thing i think about is my actual djing and set so i'm worried about all this other stuff then it comes to it i'm like wait what am i even gonna play like what am i gonna do you know so i feel for every dj going through it on twitch and i respect everyone who's got it together and has their pages running and it's been really cool man it's been such a such a good uh outlet for all of us yeah it's harder than it looks too and i think that's the cool thing about having dj a lot of djs as your audience is that they're really understanding like i was watching you you were djing video djing yesterday and you're something cut out like the sound or something and you're like i'll be right back and there was like 80 something (laughs) people there and you turn off the stream and we're all in the chat and we're like talking about you like all right cool everything's cool like everyone <laughs> stayed and then you came back and we're like that would never happen on instagram or something else like people are very supportive on twitch which is nice yes they're very supportive and community is everything you know yeah and that's that's the what i've learned is that that community is everything um networking is everything and just building building your network you know like 
Twitch doesn't offer much way for promotion. Right. You know? Um, so the best thing to do is link up with people, do the get on a all day Twitch run yeah. with a bunch of other DJs where they're handing it off to each other. Right. Um, you know, see who's check out people's um Twitch pages for when they're broadcasting, maybe set up a showtime around their time so you can hand it off to them or they can rate you all types of things to it's just you know people are on there they're entertained and you're right it's like that and basketball some unsolved mysteries <laughs> that's that's my full scale of entertainment nowadays <laughs> yeah exactly i know um and uh so so then as far as that like obviously we're going through this the renaissance of twitch or whatever we want to call it but where do you think it's gonna go like like because there are you know we we know we know people that are djing in texas or new york or new jersey or europe or place new zealand i mean sometimes i look at the twitch streams and i go oh are the numbers lower people are going back to gigs like where do you think it's gonna go because so many djs are watching each other um what's gonna happen when all the gigs come back do you have any kind of take on that I honestly I don't I'm fascinated <laughs> by it for sure but yeah. I mean I don't know I don't think you know I don't I don't if if it depends on what the DJ like are the gigs going to get back to normal like what is the what is know. the process for DJs inserting themselves back into the world at least or the bar or club scene it seems like I've seen people doing events virtually and you know on stages and drive-throughs and stuff. So it seems like that world is it's not what it was, but they're they're pushing through. They want to keep things going, but you know, I think the future of Twitch depends on how um, you know, how all the nightclubs and bars and venues and event things kind of reintegrate themselves when things open again, you know, what percentage it'll be at, you know, like if it if to me if it came back instantly at like everyone went back to the exact gig they were doing and their exact schedule then i don't i don't see twitch you know obviously i don't see it maintaining the momentum or the interest it has now but if it's only half of that or less i think it hovers in this space you know but it's really fascinating to me i'm 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 interested by what's going to happen you know like is everyone putting in so much work all this time building up so much for something that a year from now, a year and a half from now, like won't matter as much. Who knows? You know, I know. I mean, I guess that's life. You just gotta, it's, it's the journey. Not, it, it never ends. There's never some finishing moment, you know, I agree. Well, that being said, thinking about it, I mean, building your brand and killing it on Twitch will probably lead to all those gigs when they come back. Right. And if you're not out there killing it, you know, or new people are watching what you're doing or like you as a DJ, then, you know, that might be detrimental to getting back in the swing of things. Yeah. So I don't know. You know, I think it's important um, to read the room as, as a DJ would say, but read the culture of what's going on in the same way you guys just jumped right in with the questions, even if you weren't ready and you've been developing it as you go you're not waiting like, man, I can't wait till we can go back and do this show. You're like, I'm just doing it, you know, in the same way Four Color Zach or whoever's just jumping right into it. So I think that, sure, it could be a quote-unquote waste of time at the end, but 
it's for sure not. If you're putting in this work, the amount you're learning, if you guys got asked to do a TV show now, you would be able to do it way more than if you got asked in February. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know so much, just the connections you've made. So I think it's worth, all of it's worth it. You know, I saw like uh, Medicine, that producer, uh-huh. um, I saw him tweet something the other day and, you know, everybody's talking about mental health during this time and, and oh, it's hard, you know, during this cr- these crazy times and everyone's saying it's so hard to, you know, be positive and have people having existential crisis and he said something like make a beat every day and that will help you so much and it's the truth like work on something you love and that will work way better than probably you should still do therapy and all the other things but if you just work on the one thing you love at least once a day that's going to like help you a lot mentally during this time i think and not help you get in that zone of spiraling out of control you know i agree yeah i mean you know it's got a channel and focus somewhere you know yeah the last place should be conspiracy theories but that's another conversation oh my god that's nuts (laughs) yeah a lot of djs and human beings out there are going to these conspiracy theories to try to i think I think life is so out of control that they want to be able to control it. You know what I mean? They're like, fires, fires are conspiracy. Like, when you, when everything is a conspiracy to you, maybe you should take a step back and think about it. Sure, once in a while, there's things that could be uh, out of the ordinary. But if everything is crazy, then maybe you should um, think about that your brain is doing that to you. Like, I think tr- it's, I think it's also like part of I told you so syndrome. You know, like yeah, but needing to be right or needing to like have proven that other people were wrong. You know what I mean? Like, but I think that all falls into the same human thing of needing to control what's around you and not being able to control it makes you feel so out of control that you're you can't handle it. So you're just going to make up fake things, you know? Yeah, it's all ego at the end of the day. I mean, if that's if that's what causes people to have ego, then, you know, it's just. Big, yeah. old, big old egos. Yeah, exactly. Starve the ego, people. Come on. Learn from AM. Um, yeah. Well, uh, so so talking about mixes and mixtapes and, and our history, like some of the stuff we didn't discuss is that before Serato, me and you were doing four turntable mixes. So we would spend all day and night with four turntables and all vinyl and try to figure out, okay, you're going to drop this beat and I'm going to put this acapella, then I'm going to go here, then I'm going to go here. It was like mapping out the craziest thing in the world. And we would enter these contests for Scion that were like, make all rock hip hop on uh, mixes. And so we would do a four turntable rock hip hop mix, which we ended up winning the contests and we would like open for Bismarcky and Pete Rock I mean, talk about conspiracy theories. Uh, <laughs> open for B Rock and, and yeah. uh, Bismarcky and all these um, amazing people, and um, and we would. I remember we would make mixtapes, sell them at Workman's Outlet. Shout to Workman's Outlet, L.A. staple on Melrose. Oh, yeah. OG, yeah, super OG. Um, and uh, you know, you have done a lot of legendary mixtapes. I remember I met you. You gave me some mixtape you did of all these disco records where I didn't know a lot of them. There was no Shazam at the time. And I'm like, damn, this fool knows about so much dope shit. And that's been <laughs> sampled for this. Um, and one of the legendary mixtapes that you've made through your times was the Nate Dog mixtape. Yeah. 
Um, and if anyone has not heard that, go check it out. But that was, I mean, that got to the point where people in his circle were hearing it. People all over the world heard it. I mean, we got questions, people writing you from the internet. Uh, when I asked if they had questions for you, like that was one of the big topics. Um, I see if I can even get, see what someone said. Um, like, uh, yes, uh, super, I forgot how to say his name, but super T Y Y L E super <laughs> Tylee. <laughs> he's, he's the homie. He's always writing in questions. Sorry. I can't pronounce your name. You got to write me that on the next one. But, uh, he asked, how long did it take for you to make the Nate dog mixtape? Interesting. Well, the funny part about the Nate mix was I had just left jet nightclub in vegas so i did like a six months run it was my first vegas residency it was the most draining thing of my life (laughs) it was every monday and friday you know like i see pictures of myself and you're there and tina t's there and i'm like who is that guy i'm just like who was that guy it just feels like a different person but yeah that was crazy we used to fly you'd be like i'm going to it was it was twice a week <laughs> so i would go Friday with you Monday, all the yeah. time and we'd be like all right we're gonna take a 9 p.m flight or 8 p.m flight we get there at 9 get to the club at 10 you would dj 10 to 5 a.m we'd go back to the airport take a 6 30 a.m flight back home <laughs> like, oh yeah Oh my the grind. god, that was but, insane. So I had been doing that for six months, and I and I got let go. Um, I was just burnt, you know what I mean? I, I definitely was playing the same sets over. Like I was just like, those were marathon nights back then, though. It you was know, crazy. I would do ten to four a.m. I would do. It was like it was like the East Coast came to <laughs> to Vegas, and I was following in Crooked Shoes, and he kills it like that that dude can probably dj a 10-hour set and smash it the whole time so yeah it was like that's what they were expecting for when i followed up and i wasn't used to that so i figured it out but it was it was just it just broke me down you know not not just not just at work but that was you know, we were in the thick of um i don't know it was 2007 i don't know if banana split was popping by then but just like it was our lives, you know what I mean? All we did was go out and hear other DJs and network, and that's one thing I've always appreciated from you and being your friend is that you were the motivator, you know? Like, I yeah. was the guy, like, no, nah, man, I'm going to be in tonight, you know? But you would be like, this is happening here, this person's DJing, or I'm going to go meet this person and talk to them about that. Like, you always had the motivation to connect with people and just um you didn't waste your time like i would go just to hear a dj and not talk to anyone or something you know what i mean but (laughs) you you showed me like make it a point that when you're out like talk you know connect with people and you know it 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 really wasn't my personality you know but uh, i'm glad during all those times you motivated you know because what else are you going to do you you know like yeah. If you don't go out, you're not getting shit done, really. Right. It's almost but the it, same with Twitch now. You just go out to the chat rooms and support people and hang and connect. Yeah, and I've seriously. met I've met really dope DJs or people I knew that I didn't know were that dope or that I would connect with on that wavelength. So it's similar in the digital world. Yeah. So I was just burnt and then, you know, right. it was just like six months of nonstop like nightclub and doing that. And I did I approached the Nate Dog mix as kind of like uh, uh, for my sanity almost, you know, like for just play music I love, you know, everything on the Nate mix, I love that music, I'm a fan of, you know what I mean? I'm not doing yeah. anything outside of 
you know what i appreciate and and be creative with it you know and then um i don't know the mix took probably i don't know a couple months two three four it was a process it was still on vinyl and some serato but you know tracking it out and pro tools engineering it by myself you know the struggle <laughs> life of going to do a mix and running over hitting the space bar i mean yeah you know, it's you know um but you know I, I think what was dope about it is it was a tribute mix to someone who was still alive and you see that give them the flowers while they're here shit and i think like that's the definition of what that was because um i don't know if you passed an 11 or you know it came out in 08 so obviously it was like yo we don't need to just tribute like this dude has the catalog like everything he touches is fire you know what i mean like it was a no-brainer to me you know and yeah um, you know I, I i wish i had done more but it 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 was just like a moment i think it was exactly coming off of that vegas run and wanting to do something like that's more dj and heady and in my lane you know so yeah man it's 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 always cool to hear hear people still talk about it and it definitely yeah it, it got yeah. some buzz for sure right and like another um thing that everyone talks about a lot of the questions were about um is one of your edits which you've made so many edits i probably have more of your edits than anyone in the world <laughs> you have I've, more than me that's for damn sure i have ones you made that you never put out in my computer still to this day for some reason you you really need a twitch show that's you cleaning out your library or just going you through your serato i think that would be so entertaining and you talk about edits and you play them and people like laugh at them or like that i'd rather watch there's so many people djing i love you as a dj but like you know I've always been a proponent of you being in front of the camera and your personality, and that would be a great show. Oh, my God. That would be embarrassing. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll do that. Yeah, I mean, the amount of – I need. you know what? I need that show. I also need that show mixed with intervention because I need, like, someone to come in and be – or, like, hoarders for digital <laughs> DJing. Like, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to be that guy that steps in and be like, hell no, you don't need that. Why is that in your library? Like, I'd love oh, to be the dude. That's like, what I need. I need. I need the intervention hoarders <laughs> person. Like, listen, we thought – you thought you were coming here to DJ? We're coming here to clean out your computer because it's a mess. You've got 700 so, gigabytes of crap. <laughs> but in this instance, it's great because you have all the music and that I've lost, that remixes I've done, things that I don't even have because every time I transferred a computer, I didn't do it right or something. So, like, I'm actually not mad at it. But I'm your, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm your backup. I got it. Um, but so you've think, done tons of stuff. Oh, wait, sorry. Go ahead. What were you no, gonna no I was going to say, I mean, I think the remixing just started with um catching the buzz it was it was the time the mashup era like crook and clan had just started like yeah. all these things i mean i was working at nine to five in culver city i worked in a in a tape vault i was i edited um director reels for this company it was a really cool job you know like editing like a video reel for mark romantic or you know um it was just fresh actually <laughs> part of me wishes i never left that job and <laughs> what's cool is actually the people i hired after me yeah. are still there wow yeah crazy like 15 years later they still work there but anyway um you know i remember being at the job and like www.crooklincan typing that in like seeing 
a Riz mashup or, you know what I mean? Just seeing yeah. some crazy shit that you've never seen. Listening to it, oh, that's dope. Downloading it. But at the same time, like, wishing I had my edits up there, you know? And knowing, like, like you know, still that era, like, those guys were, like, mythical to me. Crook and Clan at that point. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Who are these guys? They're just, like, larger-than-life thing people you hear about. But, but you know, so part of that was, like, motivation to, like, be part of that scene. Like, knowing I had an ear to put music together and blend songs and this acapella goes with this. And trust me, there's a lot that were off. You know what I mean? But, you know, to, to have made joints that people still play or talk about, you know, that's like the best feeling, you know? Yeah. And there was no mixed in key and a lot of stuff we were doing on vinyl in the beginning. So it was like, uh, it, w- it was a different time, but, uh, a lot of yours, I still play a lot of your edits to this day. I mean, some of my favorites, um, but there's one that is, I mean, I don't know if you could consider it platinum, maybe diamond <laughs> status, maybe beyond that in the DJ world. Um, it's it's on par with Be Faithful at this point. It's called Conga Shake. Yeah. If you're a DJ, you know it. I mean, we've heard it on like basketball playoff games on television. It's it's everywhere and anywhere every day there's a dj playing it i think that's a fact we could probably say somewhere in the earth there's a dj playing it right now conga shake um (laughs) so conga shake one of your most legendary edits um we got some questions from the internet about it um let's see we had kid cut up dj city fam he wrote did you know how long conga shake would last it's so timeless i mean I, I don't know if you knew how long but uh he asked and then dj drew music said is are you amazed at how popular conga shake became and some of the questions were like that uh oh steve spin is conga shake your greatest creation <laughs> um so i don't know what, what do you think of those how do you what's your take on it well i have to Shout out to all those dudes, those are the homies, but um, I have to tell the story behind it first, is that... Okay, please. I I was making that edit. I mean, it wasn't the first, because, you know, obviously the Cooley Rhythm edits have been out. I think Riz put Whitney Houston on it. Um, just the just the normal versions, like the, the Juke Gal, the Pitbull, like those are all playable right. and classic. Um, With that same beat under it. With that same beat, there's another right. one I, I don't want to... Well, because like... I remember you sent me multiple. You sent me Conga Shake as well as um, one where you put it under Stevie Wonder. Oh, yeah. Uh, I forgot what song. If you and... have that edit, I don't even have that. I never even put that out. That's funny. I definitely have that. <laughs> um, and then... <laughs> But there were and... already popping versions of it. Um, fuck, what was the other big one? I'm blanking right now, but it... It was already like you can already drop like four Cooley Rhythm tracks in a right. set. I'll play it on so, my on my Twitch show where I go through all my old edits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Coming so, soon. So I was so I was making it, and one of the f- early people I sent it to in the process was Kevin Scott. Oh, okay. Because Kevin was like the uncle. Kevin's like big uncle. You know what I mean? Like he was the big homie. Like you know he was like. He definitely like schooled us to the game. Like you stated earlier, he was there DJing at LAX. Like he's an integral part of us coming up, you know? So Yeah. Um I said to him and his response is Oh, I, I, rem- I, I remember. I, yeah. I, I'm paraphrasing, but it was like, does the world really need another coolie rhythm 
edit or like remix (laughs) and he just like shot my shit down and i felt a kind of way about it and um i don't even know what my response is i think it was like yeah but this is dope because i think i had put that shake what your mama gave you i put the hype part on it and i could tell that it fit really well like i knew it was something you know what i mean like i don't know like you know who knows what legs any of your creations will have you know but i knew i was like i don't know man it kind of works in my head so i wasn't like i was a little taken back by him saying that but i was like fuck it i was like rolling with it anyway so <laughs> you know obviously i put it out and you know here we are today still talking about it which is cool but i mean i i never knew and it's so dope that other djs still play it and it it's become like a staple and like a wedding jam and like it's just a you know it's like gloria stefan Conga is a hype song already. People will dance to it at any party you drop it at. But like to have elevated it is is a cool feeling. And I actually saw her at a vegan Chinese restaurant in Las Vegas. She was like in the corner eating with her family. Yeah. And my girlfriend saw her and I was like, oh no, I was like, Conga Shake. And I I was so close to going up and explaining to her who I was. <laughs> but you know, like we said earlier, the the not going out in me like kept me seated. But like, I really wanted to be like, I made an edit of your song. I just want to thank you. And like, when she walked out of the restaurant, I kind of gave her a head nod. Like, I made contact with her. Like, I know who you are, thing, because it was like yeah. a real chill restaurant. But I just thought that was fun. I wanted to take a picture with her. I That's know. What I really wanted. You need a drop. You could do the new updated version. There you go. <laughs> She's like, this is Gloria Stefan. You're listening to. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Um, wow, what a story. Well, Kevin, you're the best, but you were wrong <laughs> about that. <laughs> uh, we still love you, though. That's so funny. I do remember he said, "Do we? Re- does the world really need another Cooley Rhythm edit? It's like, well, I guess you they know, did. That's coming from, like, Kevin is deep in the edit game. Like, yeah. nothing nothing gets by him. He probably heard some versions of it that we hadn't heard. And, like, Ke- I mean, Kevin had, <laughs> Kevin had probably pressed versions of it on actual vinyl. You know, like, yep. that was what we were doing before we had DJ City and all that. You know what I mean? I would go to where DJ City was located, go to their record store, and wow. we would buy records that had the edits pressed onto the record that was the only way to i could play ac dc shook me all night long with a drum intro because that someone had made it and put on a record so shouts out uh, to dj city man shouts it was out a to different Phenom, time yeah quickie like seeing their come up and from what we would go on sotel no not sotel on uh yeah s- uh no sotel it's right it the little, street over from Sawtell. Like Yeah, on the other side of the freeway, but yeah, yeah just like humble beginnings, man. But like, West LA. What was the name of the store? It wasn't DJ City. Um, no, no, it wasn't DJ City. Uh <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to fact check. All right. Well, uh it's history, and that's why DJ City is here today. I gotta get yeah. all of them to come on sometime and just tell mm-hmm. the whole history story of that. So amazing. Yeah. Um but um yeah, so that that was that that's that's crazy so um and you're still making edits to this day and dope remixes um that i'm still playing um and um yeah i mean apart from the edits like we talked about some am stories i know we have a million of them um and stuff um but is there any other stories you can remember about am or like how he had a big effect on your life something that that you remember that um that he changed your life in a way or something always sticks with you 
Yeah, I mean, just just him being him, you know. Like I I have a brother who's dealt with had um, addiction issues, you know, and yeah. I I hit him up about it, like talking to my brother, and they never met up, but he was always in correspondence and willing, you know what I mean? Like he really practice what he preached in terms of helping people you know so yeah um that's one thing you know just um yeah he really just, did do that you're right like the I mean, was when you would go see am spin and the, like you said like it would be after two uh banana split was shutting down or lax on a you know wednesday or you know him him just doing his normal club shit and then him playing a little set for the heads and fucking everyone's heads up and you know playing a freestyle fellowship song or you know what i mean he would just kind of yeah he would just kind of flex and show you that he although he does that this is who he is you know right. and, and and that's what every dj should try to do i mean if if they have their own style and personality you know yeah. a lot of djs just want to do radio or just want to do one thing that's fine you know but you know yeah if you really love one type of music or about one thing always express it always show it because the people that relate to it will see it and they'll gravitate towards you and that's how he was yeah he really was and he just loved doing it and did it for the right reason he would dj my birthday like every year for so long remember like just randomly he'd be like where are you guys at winston's all right i'm coming through or like just that one weird bar i remember he came and he's like i'm gonna do a miami bass set for your birthday and it was like just a few of us, right? Like me, you, Mr. Best. Wait, on Stangle. Santa Monica? Which bar? I don't know. It was like, I don't know if it was that Bardot spot or something. I remember and he, I did like a tiny, I, I don't even care about my birthday ever. I would hook up with like you and a couple people. It's in the end of yeah. December. No one's ever around in LA. And, but he would always come like, and he would be like, do a Miami bass set one year or like do some kind of set just to do it. I'm like, you don't have to do this. Like you're the most amazing person. The fact that yeah. you love DJing that much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> crazy. Um, and, uh, and so speaking of AM and crazy gigs and different stuff, I mean, you know, me and you over time being on Dexstar and being friends with people like Mr. Best and different people that do a lot of things. And we all pass each other things that are yep. pretty nuts. And, um, I think, you know, I'm sure I've done a lot of crazy gigs. I've talked about on this and other podcasts, and I know you have mm -hmm. too. I was trying to think of some of the ones, something I thought of a story you told me before was um, that you got to DJ for a big celebrity's birthday. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if we're allowed to say it or not. I'll bleep it if not. But Robert Downey Jr., yeah. Um, yeah. who also has the AM connection, you got to DJ Robert Downey Jr.'s birthday party. 50th. Um, 50th birthday party which is a big deal um and he's iron man he had the am was in iron man he has the whole connection to that um you told me i don't know i guess why don't you tell the story i know some facts that i want to make sure you get in there but um yeah uh yeah like like what was that like you you had to work with him on the party what, what was that like tell us about it yeah so the story goes it actually it's a hand-me-down gig you know, that Ryan, our friend, Mr. Best, wasn't able to do. He, you know, he committed to something else. So, you know, like a true homie and a great DJ friend, he he pitched me for it. Um, I gave him my new bio I had just written out. Um, that kind of explained my Dexter days. And um, it was after AM had passed. So, you know, I, you know, I kind of wrote a little blurb about 
being on Dexter and AM choosing me to be on his roster. You know, like I, I added that in yeah. for the new resume. So, you know, I had it and I, I gave it to Ryan. He sent it to the client or, you know, his, um, his booking people. And, you know, so they approved me for the gig. They, they're like, all right, we'll have them spin. But, you know, it was, um, they, it was like, they wouldn't tell Ryan who it was. You had to go meet. It could be anyone. Right. You know? It was just like you're DJing a, a big famous celebrity's birthday. Because yes. I remember Ryan even saying, I don't know who it is. We don't know who it is. <laughs> I'm going to do this club gig. I don't know what I should do. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he, I think he's still happy that, you know, not, you know. No, he hates you now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I'm Ryan, Mr. Best is one of the best DJs I've heard. Like, his business game, his just, his hustle, he's the total package to me, you know? And I've been to a lot of different parties that he's spun, that he's invited me to help him with open, and dude always kills it. And, you know, I, I don't think he ever felt threatened by me, like, you know, by me doing the gig. And I'm sure he's always confident that he will he will work no matter what the gig. So, you know, he wasn't tripping. But yeah. anyway, so I, I was asked to go meet the client at this big warehouse downtown. It was the production warehouse. So I go there and I'm like, all right, who is it? I, I open the I open the door and like a little, you know, like 15 feet from me, I see two women and a man and they're like, they're tasting coffee. They're like testing the coffee for the event. And I'm trying to make it out. I'm like, who's that, you know? And so... As they say oh hey and they they walk closer and the the man <laughs> reveals himself to be robert downey jr and i'm in my head i'm like oh shit crazy fuck that's crazy yeah like oh that's him you know what i mean so um came up to me introduced you nice to meet you um and the first thing he says to me he's like so so you were a friend of adam's and i said yeah i start talking about sorry i start I'll get that. Here, I'll start. I'll go back. It's all good. Okay, I'll continue. Yeah, just um, keep going. He so you says, met Robert Downey Jr. You start talking about. He said you're a friend of you're a friend of Adams. Yeah, he said. So you're a friend of Adams, and I go, yeah. You know, I was a par- part of a DJ in his roster, and he was just like, looked at me and said, "Such a great guy." You know, like very heartfelt, very. You know. It, the AM's presence was there at that moment. This is in the afterlife. AM is connecting me with Robert Downey Jr. Somehow, you Crazy. know what I mean? Like, yep. as the stars would align, this is what's happening. So, we sat down. You know, it was 50th birthday, and the theme was that he was going to do kind of a different area. It the the party ended up being in an airport hangar, um, so it was spacious. So each area would have different music. And they wanted to, for each decade, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. So he wanted to kind of sit with me and talk music and talk about, like, kind of vibes for each era. And I would play these certain songs when. So coolest guy. We sat down. We were talking 80s. And really, um, he didn't want any kind of cheesy commercial music. You know, he he wanted cool, heady stuff. You could tell the guy has great taste in music. The funniest part was we were talking about 90s, and he asked me, have you ever heard of Dr. Octagon? 
And I just kind of, I chuckled inside and I was like, I know, you know what I think I did? I was like, yeah, Cool Keith. I was like, I love Cool Keith since Ultra Magnetic Days. And I think I realized in saying that, that he might not have known who Cool Keith is. Oh, yeah. He's just hip. He's just hip to Dr. Octagon. So I was like, right. he kind of like didn't, didn't, I may have gone over his head saying that, but just the fact that he mentioned Dr. Octagon, he wanted me to play Dr. Octagon at his birthday was like the coolest thing ever. That I definitely so, would not picture Robert Downey Jr. requesting Dr. Octagon for his birthday party. Nope. nope. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. So, and so, what so, was it like? And so, so it was like one of those parties where like everyone had to put their phone away. There was no press. There was nothing. No one knows anything about it. And then, and you had to work with him on the gig, and he's asking you to play Dr. Octagon and stuff like that. And then I know that something else you told me I thought that really stood out that shows kind of seems it makes it seem like he's a really good guy and he really respects music and djing is like he thanked you in front of everyone which can you imagine who is at robert downey jr's 50th birthday party i mean yeah <laughs> it's everyone it was, it was a who's who for sure it was crazy you know i just i just look up and see someone like oh you know like i only know them from seeing them on tv so and it he's was a thinking trip. and he went out of his way to literally thank you by name in front of everyone which yeah I think is well, super dope. well what happened was there was the party and then there was the after party which they didn't even tell the people any of the guests about it just kind of as the party was kind of winding down and transitioning or they could tell people were starting to leave, the people at eight, all that. They made the announcement, and the announcement was they have some live entertainment coming up. And the live entertainment turned out to be Duran Duran and Steely Dan. So it was like a oh, post- just a couple little bands. <laughs> it was like a post concert for the birthday. So as he made that announcement, like he said, like shout out the DJ. So that was cool. But yeah, and then, you know have them having not told people they actually a lot of people just left but there was still like a great crowd of people i mean i was sitting there watching steely dan had just they had just announced they were going to do coachella that year so i feel like they they took that gig as like a warm-up gig yeah you know? but it was me and 30 other people like watching steely dan play black cow how you know? crazy is that um it was just Duran Duran killed it was it was once in a lifetime event for sure that's amazing yeah that's that's the best part about these like super crazy gigs or the LA gigs I mean the type of things that they pay for that we get to experience too as part of it (laughs) from just the food to insane bands playing to like you know I, I mean I've seen some of the craziest stuff um that's such an amazing story um and uh, another one that I wanted to talk about was that um, talk about video DJing. So, so now you're video DJing on Twitch a lot as your thing. And like your, if people don't know, like your video uh, crates are super deep. I mean, we used to download Yo MTV Raps videos. We used to make videos like seven yep. years ago. And plus, we used to stream. We used to do UStream all the time right like yeah. every week we would do these at least once a week we would do Ustream. it was just like twitch but not i guess the world wasn't ready for it <laughs> <laughs> um but you did that i mean you you were heavy in the video djing game to the point where you started a crew called screenworks with yeah. um uh um I'm, I'm blanking on the names i mean second Jay, nature second nature second nature the uh, super dope video dj from atlanta the godfather Jay, yeah. uh yes the godfather of it je just 
an amazing human in all ways and the producer of legendary Nelly albums and songs and also just one of the most talented dudes all around. Um, and uh, Jordan and some other people and also Shecky Green, who yeah. is uh, also legendary and I need to get on this podcast. Um, yes. You know, one of the original writers and editors running the Source magazine, um, someone that helped DJ AM get his first big contracts in vegas and i mean shecky has is just an amazing human um and so and also we used to throw a party called sure shot where we had shortcut peanut butter wolf all these dope video djs come dj and i remember one of the things we did was we had the release party for this new group that just came out releasing their first song and the group was called lmfao (laughs) and it was red foo sky blue and uh the other some of the party rock the og party rockers um <laughs> and didn't we was it for i'm in miami bitch i think it was the video because we had a video party so we did the video release party for i'm in miami bitch <laughs> at winston's yep. in la before yep. lmfao had really hardly ever done anything i mean so funny to think back about that you know yeah. like well, I, I, just, I barely I just, remember i just heard it on mike b's podcast and he was talking when mike b was on road and he was talking about uh Meeting Foo and them being at, we met them at Banana Split. Yes. And they were the guys, we were just like, who are those guys that dress like that? Like, oh, I remember meeting him. Yeah, I remember meeting Red Foo and he was wearing Jean Co jeans and the super crazy raver stuff. And I remember, I think AM played Be More music and we were talking about Be More, Be More. And he goes, what's Be More music? And we had to like explain (laughs) it to him. And then next thing you know, they have a song with the do, 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 you know, the exact drum break from it. And, uh, I mean, I, I, we sort of, I remember watching Red Foo think of LMFAO in a way, like be it banana split, watching AM and like taking well, what it What it was in. is every, every time we came their their look kind of changed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like what they dressed like originally, like started wearing to banana split at like when they, they morphed, that wasn't yeah. like, they didn't look like that in the early days of banana split. They like... You saw, yeah, you right. literally saw them formulate, you know, formulating it and like building the brand and their identity and all that. Yeah, and and yeah, it was, it was Miami Bitch video release, and I'm pretty sure we promised them a bottle of Belvedere. Yes, that was a hundred bucks, maybe yeah. two hundred yeah. bucks. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, you know, it was a fun party. I mean, what a what a crazy time! Yeah, it was it was nuts to see those guys go off. I have a funny, I have a funny LMFAO story that I told on our on our questions game, but I'll say here yeah, was that it. I was at um, I think it was a Paquito Moss. I don't know. It was on. It was right by the car wash on Sunset between Fairfax and Crescent Heights. You know that area right there. Yeah. I think it was a Mexican restaurant. So I was there. I think I was getting my car wash across the street or something, and I was there and I. And either behind me or in front of me was LMFAO. I think they were in front of me ordering. Yeah. And I was just like, I was just like, I was like, Foo, what up, man? And he kind of knew me from obviously like uh, all of us, you know, being a banana split and just in the scene. And I was like, what are y'all up to? He's like, oh, he's like, we're working on our album up the street. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, uh, they and, lived up the street. I used to drop them off, I remember, after <laughs> at late at night at that 
place where they would live. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. And then and then we were also talking about Ableton and I had all these questions for because he said he was using Ableton. It was kind of the link of like he's like he was like, roll over with us, like check out what we're working on. So I walked, it was literally like two blocks from there. Yeah. And they were there working on a track. And it was it was something that made their album, but it wasn't like one of the bigger records. But um he was showing me all these things of how he uses ableton i don't remember any of it but it was just such a funny time and it was like this dump apartment and dirty and filthy and it was just, yeah it, it might have been after miami bitch but like pre it wasn't even an and- apartment was it it was like he lived in this weird under the stairs thing or something <laughs> i don't even know or maybe yeah. that's just where the studio was but i remember being like what is going on in here this yeah it's crazy yeah funny but yeah man the 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 video night was dope, and and I think you know it, it obviously it never really caught on in clubs like at Screenworks. We used to do it at Pure. I would get booked. I would go to shout out to my man Juggy in St. Louis. I mean not St. Louis in Salt Lake City. Yeah, he would book me and bring me there, and you know I did I did some really cool events at South by Southwest. I did a good music showcase, and um, you know uh, A Track was there, remember, and you know the whole good music performed and. They had me, and I did the, uh, I did video DJing. It was projected on huge, like two hundred feet, and so I mean, I, I, I'm I'm proud of what we did as Screenworks and the things we accomplished. You know, I understand why video DJing never caught on in nightclubs, and um, but I'm still a fiend for visuals, and it's yeah. The irony is now we're here in 2020, and I'm seeing more people doing video djing than ever so <laughs> yeah exactly but it makes for it makes perfect sense uh sense for twitch and i'm doing video djing but um i also realize it's kind of niche in a sense too you know like not not everybody really cares to see that some people are want to be on twitch just to hear some type of music or whatever so i'm still trying to figure out you know the best layout and you know there there's an art to doing it right and shortcut who we had as a guest at our party is spinning videos and his setup is great you know he has um i think his girlfriend helps him and like runs his switching board he they just it's executed like flawlessly and really classy um they go to the videos at the right time during the broadcast they really treat it like a tv show and it's it makes perfect sense that shortcut is so popular on Twitch. I mean, dude is just a total package. You know the 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 oh the, yeah the selection, the skills. Obviously, one of the best in the world. Um, you know the videos, how it's produced. So, any DJs listening to this, I would check out Shortcuts feed and see how see how they run it because that's a perfect example of a of a really dope Twitch channel and an example of just being consistent doing it. I mean, he does every day or every night. Yep. It's crazy. Yep. Um, and, um, what about, um, oh, another crazy gig I wanted to ask you about. I remember you telling me it was DJing on a Virgin America airplane. Oh yeah. <laughs> Didn't you do that with uh, DJ lunatic? Yeah. My boy lunatic. Yep. We, we DJed, we did a flight from, I think it was from either LA to SF. I mean, RIP Virgin America, they don't exist anymore, but their planes were dope in the meantime. And yeah. 
we did it um it was like a coachella promotion thing oh so, yeah that's what it was um yeah so you know we we just brought a controller we brought some speakers we just we were in the back and just kind of playing tunes it was kind of a party playing you know it was a cool virgin was a cool brand they were they were thinking forward in terms of their marketing and and totally. doing things like that but uh it was fun there's i think there's video of it on youtube somewhere but yeah that was dope tight um and and as far as djing for groups i know that you dj'd for a lot of different people you were like the tour dj for theophilus london for a while and um you even got to dj with him and be the dj on david letterman's show and jimmy kimmel and even play with solange in 2011 right before she was even very well known um, mm-hmm. What was that like? Like, can you tell us about either being on David Letterman or Jimmy Kimmel or any standouts from DJing w- for artists like that? Um, it was dope. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a lot of cool, a lot of you know. Tonight Show was ill because yeah, what we was made that it like? Before. It was awesome. I mean, it was a little nerve wracking, even Obviously, though yeah, even though I did a minimal amount, but you know, I did do a few live scratches. You know, like. You yeah you you nitpick everything in your brain of what could go wrong. It's right. one of those situations, but ultimately it was dope and it looked cool and it was it was ill to be on that set before they stopped broadcasting. You know so yeah you know it's like I made it. <laughs> I have to find the video of it, but that was dope. Jimmy Kimmel was dope. Did some South by Southwest runs with him, which were dope but hectic because you know it's like three shows in a day and you're in a van just hopping to a different place but um it was cool man it was really it's really dope yeah dope experience and and yeah meeting solange and she was cool and doing a a few shows with her and shout out to my boy ariel who linked me with theophilus a sick producer he had produced a couple records for um theo and he uh recommended me to tour with them so yeah man it was it was a learning experience you know what i mean it was a you know i (laughs) I did a lot of events and things that I've I had later found out uh, weren't didn't end up so favorable in some people's opinions. You know what I mean? Like I was kind of clueless to what was happening because I was just kind of outsourced as a DJ, so I didn't always have the inform the the details of who we were DJing for or what kind of party it was. So a few times I may, you know, I would just go to Theophilus and say, Hey, what do you want to hear? And he loved little B and a bunch of artists. And I would just play those records. And, you know, later on I found out, you know, I I played them in some, some really corporate rooms, but I wasn't privy to how corporate or what, what the deal was or who was running it or throwing it. So, you know I mean? Like live and learn. But like I said, it's a learning experience. Yeah, I mean, this is all learning experience. Um, and um, what about, um, and yeah, shout to Ariel, Jesse. I mean, you grew up with some some people that are music royalty at this point and put out some of the dopest songs that everybody knows. Um, and then speaking of past guests, um, Four Color Zach, um, I mean, you, you actually put me on to Four Color Zach way back in the day, like... Um, I remember hearing his three style thing and being like, damn, this dude is dope. Like, I didn't even know he was, he was like that. Um, and I remember you 
him, Zach and DJ Scene used to throw a party called 2080s in Seattle that was 80, an 80s party, but with new stuff put over it, right? So like the 2000s and then the 80s. Um, maybe in the year 2080, they can bring it back. Uh, we're, gonna- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're all like, they'll hello, be, how are you? They'll both all, be around 100, so. All of our children, both of their kids. <laughs> Our dads did this party in the year 1992. Um, But uh, so I remember you telling me, though, that you went and you played that party uh, with Scene and Zach and that um, you were the headliner and Zach was opening for you. It was one of your first travel gigs going from L.A. to Seattle. And um, that was one of your first experiences of going into a party as a headliner, but the opener not burning you, but just knowing what they were doing in their room, in their comfortability, and just destroying it. And you going, what the hell am I going to do after this, right? Was it, was it that kind of situation? Can you tell us yeah. about it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I mean, you know, because it was, it was a specific theme. And right. I think, like, I had some things for prepared, but I've never been the best at preparing for any gig. <laughs> it's always last minute. It's always, you know, a scramble. But, you yeah. know, uh, watching, he... he he spun, he opened up, and watching him play, I was just like, this guy, this is his room. You know, like, yeah. I felt the ownership. I saw the crowd reacting to what he was doing. I was watching what he was doing. It was flawless. It was sick. It was creative. It was everything we talk about, you know, seeing it early. And yeah. and just being like, what do I do now? You know, <laughs> like, knowing that I can't do any of that. And, you know, like, I, I'm sure I played the set and held it down, but, like, he he held such a standard and i think that i had gotten used to maybe like we when we would go to some rooms in the middle of the country or go here go here like you know they don't they don't necessarily want the opener to like kill it kill it because that's what they're bringing you in for you know and this was definitely more of like a homey party so my experience up to that point was just kind of like the the opener was the warm-up get it started guy you know And 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 Zach was, but he was just in so control of the party that it, it was very intimidating. And I was like, "Oh well, I guess I'll play a few of my edits and hopefully they go over and pop." But you know what I mean. But <laughs> how did it crazy. go? Did it end up good? I think it was fine. Yeah, you know. I mean. And then also, you know, Four Color Zach now is like such a force to be reckoned with. He's killing it still. And I mean, every, you know, got a huge fan base. But at the time, he was going through some things that I think a lot of other DJs deal with, right? Like, and, and you're saying how you remember him being so dope, but him also saying that he was even at a place where he was trying to figure out where to go with his DJing, right? Yeah, I think, you know, we had some convos and. Um, I think it was because it was all the management company thing was so new to everyone. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and it also determined where you worked. You know what I mean? Like certain management groups locked in their rooms and, you know, some rooms had all types of DJs. But if you weren't with a specific management company, I don't know what his situation was back then. But right. It would be more difficult to to find travel gigs and do a lot of that stuff. So, yeah, I mean... I, you know, having those talks, but knowing how dope he was, you know, always thinking like, like it would have been a shame had it not worked out for him, you know, and to see, to see him even at that point, 
is you know it's kind of a lesson to a lot of djs that yeah if you believe in yourself and you know how talented you are and what you're capable of like don't let any politics or any outside forces stop what you're going to do because as we all saw a few years later the three style happened and it was the perfect platform for him so it's like what you're doing might not fit what's happening at that time but don't let that discourage you from proceeding you know what i mean just keep keep killing it and yeah like you said like he has one of the best channels on twitch he's like he's like a fucking magician when he djs yeah and i saw that early though yeah at that party i was like this dude is something else i know you know it was just like this guy is on a level for sure and he was the coolest dude man brought me to he had a clothing store like a skate shop or something like showing me around seattle like really dope man that's tight Mm -hmm. um so speaking of like dope parties that you've played uh, i know we talked about crazy gig this that but are there any parties that you would do that you've done that you're just so proud of like who cares about money that you just like are happy to be a part of like i know you got to go dj in germany with a lot of dope people and you've played the do-over and some other legendary parties um do you want to talk about any of that um yeah all the all that i mean do-over sick you know i did a video set at do-over in oh, like yeah. 2009 I that have, was the best i forgot that you did I video have, I, I have video of it on youtube yeah we brought the we just brought the little mini projector and put it on the fence you know yes like, i remember we were now. really gung-ho about that shit but it's dope and it was fun but yeah the do-over i mean love those guys i mean the do-over is a perfect example of like everyone wants to spin the do-over and those guys are so keen on like if you're a dj just going there and hanging out with them and like being buds and you know being cool and then They'll have you spin, you know. Of course, they want to trust trust your sets and shit, but you know, it was it was really important on them to make it like homies, like like they trusted their DJs, their DJs trusted them, and yep. it's a good example of like go out and be there. You know, you want to DJ this party, go fucking meet the people throwing it, talk to them, chop it up. You know, like that's the best example of that. And you know, obviously their their legacy is cemented, and you know they. Yeah. They are originators and, you know, um, brand brand geniuses, those guys. As I'm now doing the questions and, like, how do I manage this brand and to see what they built and have done with it is just, it's so impressive, you know. It's really, it's really something to strive and attain for, you know. They yeah. never, they never, they never sold their brand short. They never did anything to... To water it down or you know what i mean yeah so but yeah, yeah it's like stick to your guns just do what you think is right like you said trust your gut you know and 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 go for it and the right things will happen the right people will will find you you know and you'll connect with them yeah um but um what's it called um fuck miami i did peach Fuzz in miami oh yeah that was dope shout out to raul and dizza yeah that 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 was a fucking vibe. It was in a warehouse. That was cool. That was kind of intimidating, but yeah, man, I love to. I've always wanted to to balance it and be able to do clubs, but also be able to do some parties like that too. You know, it's like it's a fine fine line to walk, but yeah, you know, try to manage it somehow. You know, and yeah, totally. I mean, that's 
it's almost like a way of also making money and being able to live off DJing and then doing the things that mean a lot to you, you know? Um, but, but exactly same thing. I like to walk that fine line of doing both, both things. Um, yeah. And, and so, and I would say, sorry to interrupt, but one no, thing, go, go one thing I, I regret is not building my own party. You know, now that I'm doing the questions and I'm managing a brand and we, we do do our own parties and live events, obviously not now, but you know, I would suggest any DJ who can, who has a good concept of a fun party, create it, build it, you know, it's your baby. You know what I mean? And we did, we, we, we did sure shot. We've, we've tried things out, you know what I mean? But, but keep trying until some concept sticks, you know, cause it will eventually. So, yeah, well, I think that leads into something good that I wanted to talk to you about, which is, um, you know, we're speaking of these long DJ careers we've had and we've been just going nonstop since what, 2005 or before. Um, like, and finally this year we've been forced to take a step back. Um, what have you learned? Are there any lessons that you've been able to learn from this time off, uh, or stepping back from the whirlwind of our life the past 15 years? (laughs) Um, I would say what I've learned is to have, to look ahead, plan ahead. You know what I mean? Like COVID is a perfect example of never knowing what's going to happen, you know, and, and, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket, make sure, you know, you have options, do tour, have three hustles, you know what I mean? Like don't rely on just DJing to, to um bring you everything you want and i think i found that a lot of times when you're not focusing on djings and things around djing outside they they somehow bring attention to the dj stuff you're doing you know what i mean like it's not all you don't have to hone in like dj this dj this like you can think about your branding or you know whatever it may be do a t-shirt line do this or that you know and then your t-shirt line blows up and then people learn that you're a dj who owns a t-shirt line it's just you know i think i think like you said like we djs the djs djs you know the people they make road podcasts for the people who who are in the trenches you know we we've tended to just focus on just djing you know what i mean and um you gotta you gotta diversify your bonds <laughs> you know you just have, <laughs> like the you have to be said. well-rounded we're all brands you know we all we all need to be doing multiple multiple you know art arts and hustles and you know yeah no i think that's the truth um and, and like also just speaking to that like is there um like is there advice you could give to younger DJs that are coming up now that you wish you knew back then? Or, I mean, I think a lot of the stuff you just said is, is kind of speaks to yeah, that. Yeah, I just say, you know, where are you going to be next year? Where are you going to be in five years? Set set your goals. And if you really want those goals to happen, you know, then, you know, put the vision board up, you know, like be and be honest with what you can accomplish, you know, yeah. and 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 those those small accomplishments i think will translate into big ones down the line and nothing in any industry comes 
that you know comes fast that's that's worth something so you know write it out and you know you know persistence adversity you know there's a lot of a lot of things you know and you know networking yeah it's huge it's 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 the way of the future for sure that's like i said that's what i'm seeing on twitch and even in real life like be be social be be cordial you know yeah. um approach people with how you can help them not with how they can help you you know and then when you help them whatever you know you were looking for from them will come back to you you know just yeah just things like that you know and 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 be smart and and uh have have a plan you know yeah um that's the truth that's the truth um and um i meant to mention it earlier i know this is the uh second most famous podcast your name has been mentioned on because i know joe rogan talked shit about your name when oh, russell yeah. peters was on uh the joe rogan podcast and mentioned that steve wonder would be djing his new year's eve party <laughs> so shout to russell peters who we need to get on this podcast too but yes, amazing yeah, comedian russell. also dope dj but he was on joe rogan and uh mentioned oh yeah we got i think we said dj spin bad and steve wonders djing my new year's party at joe rogan got so mad that your dj name was uh steve wonder he's like stevie wonder is djing your party (laughs) (laughs) yeah he stopped him he's like what the fuck he's like no steve wonder he's like he can't be called that he can't name himself that yeah that's the best dj drop ever russell was yeah russell was explaining it i mean that's that's early 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 joe rogan yeah but, early rogan and yeah. i mean shout to russell always being such a supporter of djs and you, yeah he was you on have our such trivia a, show yeah he was on there and you've done yeah. so much stuff for him like djing his parties and just yeah. everything you know he's the I man did his new year's party this year and it was because oh, yeah. it was just kind of open tables like he hired me and i did it but i also like my boy dj skiz played i yeah. mean russell played um, Davey DMX, the OG from the original DJ and Run DMC before yeah. he Crazy. played and I was wow. chopping it up with him. It was just like such a fun, fun time. Yeah. yeah Russell's, Russell's like, just like makes his house like a hip hop playground. He'll just have Lord Finesse, like doing doubles in a room where you're like, wait, how, wait, what's happening right here? How's yeah. this possible? I had Lord Finesse play my night at the dime once and it, it was easily the best set I mean, guest set that I had heard at my party and just kind of like set in general, like he is just crazy. I, I love Laura Finesse, man. We're trying we're trying to get him on the show. That would be a, uh, a great guest to have him on, share some stories. But, yeah. He's so dope, dude. His sets on tw- on um, IG Live have been yep. amazing this whole Fire. time. Um, and speaking of, we never even got to talk about that, is that you had these legendary residencies in LA at Winston's and at the Dime um that have gone f- i mean winston's came and went but was such a great place and then the yeah. dime you know is still there i'm just waiting yeah. for people to come back in but um, i'll never i'll never yeah. forget at winston's uh heavy d coming up to me at winston's wow. like a year or two before he passed and giving me props and i was playing a rock set i was playing like black betty and all these like cuddy rock songs and he was like i fuck with what you're doing like he he appreciated it, well, I wasn't playing hip hop, and I was just right. so grateful. I was like, "Oh man!" Like, it was one of those like, "I know who you are. <laughs> I I followed your career. Like, I hope you know what I mean. Like, I couldn't yep. even express how much gratitude I had 
for him, meeting him. But he was just as cool. But yeah, man, Dime, you know, Dime is the it's 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 like the most New York spot in LA. That's the only way I can put it, you know? Like Yeah. A lot of legendary like, people would pass through though. You would be hitting me late at night, like this person's here, or this is happening, or yeah, you know, Dave yeah. Chappelle or Chad Bozeman. Mr. Best, man, he's he's the original Dime DJ and you know, he he set that spot in motion. You know, it's not it's not where spots are at, but how they started, you know, why 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 yeah. they turned into what they are. And I think Ryan has a lot to do with that. You know, it's kinda yeah. It's kinda unsung that every time someone goes, I love the dime, you know, a shout out to Chris Huvain, Andy, but they set the precedent of what that spot would be and it's similar to the doer it's maintained its identity it never like yeah went too far in one direction and shout out to benji as is, i was gonna say yeah booking prop- dope djs he's kept the legacy going you know and it's yeah dj like, as is yep. huge shout to him keeping it going yeah and um, spots like that are they're vital you know they're the you know like a perfect example is chadwick bozeman would hang out there all the time you know yeah after i think after he won the the oscar they did a little party there and you know that you see the hashtag dime fan and shouts out to Nikki too. You know, she, she is the heart of that place, but um, it rings true. You know, it is like a family when you get, when you go in there and it's so easy to meet one person there that's been going there for 10 years and you can meet a bunch of other people. Like it is, there is a community built around it. It's like a cheers of sorts, but those spots are important. You know, like all the, all the big, nightclubs and fancy restaurants all that's cool but you know you still need spots like the dime for you know and yeah. i hope you know who knows what's going to happen after covid but i have faith that that they'll still be open you know yeah they've made it through a lot so i think they'll still be there <laughs> it's small enough hopefully they can hang on <laughs> just yep. like the old like jewish thrift store next door or something. <laughs> <laughs> well a lot of those are gone unfortunately and even a lot of the new shoe stores have burned down and who knows know. what fairfax looks like now but yo you know. well I, I dj vice is like becoming like an irl twitch streamer or something he had yesterday he literally had a backpack on that had four hotspots and a sony action cam connected to it and was just walking and driving around all over la eating tacos and i was like what is he doing so i'm watching and he went to melrose and was walking around he's like oh that used to be flight club that was that that was that that was that <laughs> it's crazy it's all fucked up i was like Damn, crazy. it looks crazy out there yeah parts of hollywood right now are pretty apocalyptic when you yeah. drive through i'm like yo this is nuts i mean look um, at that look how deep in the game vice is you know legend in the game done so much but he's still creating content he's still literally yeah. in the streets you know what i mean yep. like he's a perfect example of you know a dj that that understands how to how to do it all you know yeah yeah exactly no you can't stop vice he's literally unstoppable <laughs> <laughs> like even with the quarantine he was djing every day on instagram live i mean it's nuts uh well speaking of la we had a few questions from the listeners and uh benny needles wrote in and said what is your favorite uh, <laughs> shout to benny needles ben. old, super old school homie um i think i've known him since my high school days but uh he said what's your favorite la skate spot well i'd be remiss if i didn't say the courthouse i mean that's where we grew up and yeah. this is obviously in the 90s right and shouts out to ben we used to skate there that's how old um, we are 
yeah i mean before they redid it but um yeah i mean the courthouse of course you know beach curbs was always fun because it's santa monica just on the little bike path yeah um, gotta go with courthouse yeah that's the truth all right we had a few more um a lot of homies writing in urban medium when is the element album dropping <laughs> 20 Tell years Derek ago to holler at my brother and if he can a and r it if he can create a budget for it a and r it get all the beats and record my brother then that album will happen <laughs> i mean let's go there he's pretty linked up with all these people hey man my brother you know my brother he could be like an Action Bronson if you really wanted to. He but, really you know. could. Your brother yeah. is had the original Action Bronson voice. You're right. Yeah, he's, just less ghost facey, but like, yeah. I mean, yeah, that but, raw. Yeah. Hey, man, I would love to see that. Of That'd course. be tight. Um, yeah. What else we got? Oh, someone a uh, Fank Nank. How have you remained so wonderful? That's a, just a love. Fank Nank. <laughs> um, and let's see. Oh, White Shadow with a very inappropriate, horrible question. I don't even know if I should ask it. We're going to get kicked off the internet. He said, when you masturbate, do you prefer watching the first 48 or intervention? Okay. <laughs> I think uh, there's I've, no way. I have, I have been on a, on a forensic files whodunit Forensic Files for masturbation reason. tip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, this is a good... I know uh, they did bring back all those like mystery shows lately. During This yeah. is a good time to watch them. <laughs> Um, all right, so we see where White Shadow's head's at. Um, yeah, shout out and, to White Shadow. Uh, huge shout. I'm gonna, yeah, I think he's gonna he's gonna interview me at some point on here. So we'll see. Nice. That'll what, be interesting. How that goes. I got um, some. I got some interesting stories with White Shadow. Oh yeah, like ones for, you want to tell. No, I'll share for another podcast. Okay, all right, we'll do that another time. <laughs> um, DJ Architect, another great homie, great DJ, great person. He said, who were your biggest regional inspirations coming into the DJ game? I think you spoke on that earlier, but if there's anything else you want to add. I'd say Rob One was the first. His mixtapes, Rip One. We used to check Ooh. out Rip One mixes. Rip used to buy, One. They used to have a triple five soul off of Beverly and Martell and go in there buying whoever's mixtapes they carried, you know, would be dope. So any yeah. of those guys, of course, Beat Junkies, yeah. all the radio GJs, Mr. Chalk. Melody, I mean Ooh, Friday Night K- Flavors. Friday Night Flavors, all the K Day mix masters. You know, if 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 you were in LA and in tune to what was happening, then any of those people, they they influenced Yeah. You know, Mike Nardone, of course. I, I feel bad for the um yeah, yeah, for the generation that didn't get to experience any of those live. Right. Yeah, no, that that's an amazing list. Um dope. I mean, that was a lot. Oh my god. All right, you've told us a lot on here uh, you, you've yeah. given you've dropped endless gems a lot of stories yeah, it's almost time for russia showing a dinner man this thing got pushed back it is oh my it's god go eat. shana tova, shana um, tova. all right well i think uh, we can get out of here i mean like i said there's a million questions we could do a 24-hour podcast uh something that mr best uh actually we've talked about him a lot this podcast he threw to me he said Yo, you should say something at the end. You should ask the guest, do you have a question for me? So I'm going to try that with you. Do you have a question for me? <laughs> do I have a question for you? Damn, I should have thought about this. Any <laughs> I need question, a, huh? I need to warn well, the guest. I won't pull a white shadow on you, <laughs> but... um, I'm scared. I shouldn't have done this. No, nah, no. Nah, let me think. It's too easy. <laughs> um That was the problem I had with you because I know you so well. Oh, here's like, a good one. What was I know you did a whole podcast. 
about this, but the main transitioning of becoming a father and managing your DJ career first before, like what were the, what were just a few bullet points on like what the biggest changes were? I mean, well, that's huge. And I'm still, (laughs) I'm I'm still learning as we go, but um, you know, I just remember I was I was at the time I was a resident in Vegas at Trist nightclub every Friday at least every Friday I was in Vegas like you probably twice a week yeah. and um, and then touring all the other days like and I was home just a couple times a week which thank thankfully and I looking back at it think took it for granted a little bit I mean I can't I I wish that was back but um but I remember you know my wife was pregnant we were having the baby around this time and um I was like how's this gonna work like am I gonna be in Vegas I remember freaking out you know and um luckily I was home when it all went down and uh you know, I remember we ate apple pan the night before. Um, nice. So L.A. staple that that'll set you off if your wife's gonna have a baby. Eat apple pan. <laughs> uh, but we we did that. We had the we had the baby, and I remember being like, "When do I go back out on the road? How's this gonna work?" Because I've always wanted to be a dad. Like I love this. I want to be a dad. It's it's. I'm so proud of it. I love it. It's like I put all my energy into it. It's great. So. I wanted to be there. I wanted to be there at all the times, but I had to go back and work. Um, so I remember being like, all right, I'm going to take, I think it was a couple weeks off, but I still had this one Vegas gig that I was going to go do. So it was such a weird feeling like being with her in the hospital for a few days and then um, going back on the road and being like, I'm leaving. Now my family's three people. It used to be two people. And, um, you know, and then it just, it took a little while for, to really start to figure out the balance. You know, I think I, I just went back into like, I want to make money. I want to work and, um, and do that. And, and, and when you're a dad, like your kid will change like their ages. It's so different. So when they're an infant, like it's way different than when they're eight months and one year, you know? So as it goes, I've had to just keep, adjusting my balance and um i don't have the answers but it's really just to try to be as present as i can be when i'm with him and her and then be as present as i can be when i'm not with them at what i'm doing there and just um giving my all to whatever i'm doing so whether i'm working on music for something give my all whether i'm traveling and going to a gig give my all to that and then when i'm with them give my all to them and just uh just realize that Work, yes, you got to take advantage of it at the time, but it will always be there. And that time is not going to wait for you and your kid's going to keep growing. So mm-hmm. be present, take advantage of it, and just be open to keep growing and learning. And that's my... Oh, good. Dope. <laughs> that's my answer. I don't know. Dad life. Um, but um, now my kid is, you know, almost eight years old and like... He, Big I, boy. we DJed his, we DJed his school like thing, like Zoom party this weekend, and he was on the mic with me the entire time. So he was like my MC, and I was basically just like the Jazzy Jeff, like I'm doing the DJing, and he was on here going, "Let's take it to the top." How y'all feeling out there? He even had like catchphrases, like he asked everyone. He goes, "Who likes skateboarding out there?" And then when I think he noticed that. Not a lot of people in the Zoom replied. He's like, 
who likes things with wheels? I'm like, all right, nice way to like spread it out and generalize. Like, who doesn't like things with wheels that roll? Okay, so good job, Jude. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I was like, how did he even think of that? Genius. Yeah, so that he is a little genius. We'll see. I, I honestly feel like my son will be able to do anything in the world that he wants to do. So I'm I just agree here. with that wholeheartedly. I'm, thank you. I'm just here to protect and support whatever he wants to do. That's my whole go. job at this point. You, f- you uh, figure it out. I'm 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 lucky to be his dad. Is how I feel. So awesome. um, yo, this has been so much fun. Just catching up with yep. you and and Thanks, all that. Um, I don't know if you got any other things you want to tell the people, or we can just get out of here. Yeah, just get out. You know, check out the questions. Hip hop on all IG. Right. Yeah, on yeah. Twitch. Tell them about that. So so give us where can they find all your stuff and where can they find the questions and what's the schedule because I really want people to check this out. The questions, so Tuesday night on Twitch around 7.30 Pacific we do a watcher show where we watch old hip-hop videos and okay. just have the chat chime in and we have guests. We've had Open Mike Eagle, a um, few other people. So that's Tuesday. Um, we started doing our, twi- our our Instagram shows just once a week now on Mondays and that's 6 p.m. Pacific. That's where we have a guest on and then friday at 7 p.m pacific we do our group game where uh the crowd plays along we have prizes it's a ball everyone chimes in we do polls um it's really fun time um our uh, and our own socials is the questions hip-hop one word okay. and then for me um you know ig is dj steve wonder um Twitch is Steve Wonder, not DJ. It's, you know, <laughs> the the never-ending struggle of of syncing all your socials, but um yeah, you know, that. just search at Steve1DER and things will show up. That's yeah, what it is. exactly. At least I have a name like that where it stands out from other names. <laughs> yeah, you were the first person to put a, a number in your name way before Dead Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he owes me. <laughs> yeah, he owes you uh 1% 1% on his his songs and his head, his mouse head. Yo, well, this has been the best. Thank you so much, Steve Wonder, for coming on the 20 Podcast. And uh, we will talk to you soon, and we will see you on Twitch and all the other places we can find you. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. Later. All right. Thank you guys for tuning into that episode of the 20 Podcast featuring Steve Wonder. A lot of great stuff in there. And I would love to hear from you guys some different topics that you want me to cover. Any questions, problems, things that you're dealing with that you think I could help you out with um, on this podcast, please send me a message um, on any of the social networks or anywhere you could find me instagram at dj spider dj s-p-i-d-e-r or on twitch same thing and i'd love to hear your guys thoughts what you're dealing with out there and anything that we could discuss on here all right thanks again for tuning in the 20 podcast is produced by beat source join us next week for more interviews as we discuss music that matters to djs and that was the 20 with dj spider 